It's a reading stays from um, Isaiah 43, and uh, the title of today's talk is Effectively Moving Forward with God. So we're still continuing this effective uh, series. I don't think this little thing's working uh, this morning, uh, so I'm going to every now and again prompt Martin to uh, change it in case you wonder uh, what's going on. But I'm going to take uh, the passage from Isaiah uh, 43. I'm just going to start from verse uh, 16, uh, reading down to 19. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. Uh, So recently, it's been uh, a real blessing to us as a church where people have shared uh, various things in services where we ask uh, the Holy Spirit to be among us, which we know he is, uh, but to really manifest himself among us. And some pictures and visions and various bits and pieces have been shared. And we've we've taken that seriously and we've weighed them up and we've prayed into them. Uh, Things uh, like uh, quite a few weeks ago, a rock coming out of the water. We can only see the tip of it. And uh, the rock had the name of Jesus on it and uh, arms were outstretched and someone just hugging the rock. And uh, it's fair to say people all around us uh, are drowning if they don't know Christ and he's the rock that they need to call out to and it reminds us of our mission. Or people uh, not really uh, dying to themselves. Uh, There was a picture given of the seed that has to fall to the ground Um, and the new life can only come from the seed once it falls to the ground. A new life can spring up but we have to die to ourselves don't we? We have to die to ourselves and live uh, for Christ to see new life and new growth. Um, There's one given recently about the Spirit of God when we read in Genesis, hovering over the water. And we know that the Spirit of God hovers over his church. Though we don't want him just to hover over the church, we want him to be in the church, in his people, uh, more and more and more. And whenever the Holy Spirit's involved in anything, it brings new life. He brings new life, and uh, that's what we want, new life. And this passage is talking about, see, I'm doing a new thing, a new thing. And as a church, we want to be moving forward, moving forward effectively, and not just moving forward effectively, moving forward effectively with God, because it's his church. And so we don't mind uh, embracing the past, but we want to be daring enough to take on new things, to do new things. It means that we don't want to be shy of taking risks, But equally, we can admit when things aren't working and learn from the experience. Um, It means that we want to be able to respond uh, in very different ways sometimes that face the church and its surrounding community. And we've seen that recently in all the bad stuff that's happened. Churches responding. We can do that here uh, as well. Uh, Positive experiences that people have, which there are many. Um, Experience of change experience of new life, let's affirm them and encourage them. I'd love to see more sharing uh, in our services of the things that God is doing. Let's build on them and encourage uh, one another. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? Sometimes we've got to look around and see the new things that God is doing and, and get involved. This promise of this passage here, this promise came from God to the children of Israel at a really bleak period uh, in their history. They're in captivity, they've lost everything, they thought they would keep forever 
and they were homesick for the land and the blessings that God had given them before and had promised them. And I suppose if you look at recent events, we can get a bit down, we can be in despair, we can wonder where is God? Is he going to do a new thing in my life, in my church, in the ministry? Things might look bleak, we might be a bit frightened, we might be a bit wary, we might have lost our direction. But we can also stand on the promises of God this, this morning for a, a new beginning and a new thing in your life. I mean, isn't that great? That's positive. That's positive. We can stand on the promises of God to do a new thing in our lives. That's great. Otherwise, life would be boring if we did the same thing over and over again. And we're not dwelling on the past. Some of the past is good and some of the past is bad. But we're not going to dwell on it because God is doing a new thing. He's doing a new thing and we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. He's going to do a new thing in your life and in the life of the church. I really believe that and I think he's already doing it. And the reliability of any promise, I can promise you loads of stuff, but I'm not as reliable as God. The reliability of any promise depends on the personality that gives it. And when we look at God, he's capable, his integrity, his generosity. Of course he's going to honour his word. When we look at God based on those qualities we can see that his words and his promises are very reliable. Whatever other promises and words people give you that sometimes can fall by the wayside, his word stands and has stood the test of time and it still speaks to us today. And the promise is, is that we'll receive those blessings if we just wait on him, wait on him and wait for him. Yes, sometimes we're in such a rush, aren't we? We're in such a rush and, and you know, maybe the devotional life gets put to one side a little bit or... Um, or the Bible reading, or the worship, or even church. Uh, We can focus on negative things because life isn't perfect. And we can forget, we can forget that God is all-powerful and he can do a new thing in our lives and make us new as a people, as personally, and even in our community. So uh, if we can go to the second slide, please, Martin. Uh, How do we do it? Well, firstly, focus on the future. The first step, really, to embrace any kind of new thing, I think, that God wants to do in in our lives is to change our focus, to quit, the Bible says, looking behind and looking ahead to the new things that God is doing. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. Uh, I've said it before. If you continue looking behind, you're going to fall over. You know, um, and I've said about the people on their phones, right? They're still doing it, by the way. No matter how much I preach this, they're still doing it. I saw someone the other day, um, uh, as I was driving along the high street, they pressed the button on the, you know, the little crossing. Forgot what it's called there for a second. Uh, but they pressed the button on their phone, and because they're not concentrating, they hit the button and just started walking as if like, the button is just there for them. It's not. And they nearly got run over, checking Facebook or whatever else they were doing. But if you're walking along, looking behind, you fall over, you stumble. And so we've got to look forward and we've got to see the new things that God is doing. Uh, Paul, the apostle, shared this uh, sort of great secret of success in life and in ministry when he wrote these words from Philippians 3. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. I mean, sometimes life is tough. 
you know, but we press on, we press on, we press on because, because we're moving forward and we're not looking behind. We're thinking, what is the next thing that God is going to do in my life and in your life and, and our life together as a church? It's all right to consider your past to help you, but it's not there to hurt you. And if ever we're going to move forward onto new things in Christ, we've all got to learn that we can't depend on past victories to sustain us. We can't keep saying, well, you know, back in the day. I mean, I like saying that. I like saying back in the day, 1980, West Ham won the FA Cup. But it doesn't really, and it was against Arsenal. And Trevor Brooking, and Trevor Brooking meant to head that goal. He didn't fall over and the ball bounced off his head. Um, I can't keep going on about the past. We need a win soon because everyone's bored with that now. You know, especially when I keep saying it. We've got to press on forward and see the new things that God is doing. We can't say, well, it, was, it used to be like this or it used to be like that or we've always done it this way. That's the words of a dying church. We've got to look to the future and the new things that God is doing. The, those people, when this, this, uh, this passage was written, the Israelites, they couldn't depend on their past They'd had many, many victories in their past, but they were, they were in a sorry state when the, these words were, were, were written. I mean, you think about their history. They left Egypt. They conquered the land of Canaan. They fought off prospective conquerors. They survived a split in their country. But when this passage was written, they're in captivity. They can't rely on the past anymore. All their previous victories were doing nothing to set them free. They needed a new work, a new miracle, and a new victory. And the question isn't what has God done, the question must be what is God doing right now in my life and our church, his church here? Or what is it that you want him to do in your life right now? You cannot allow your past failures to possess you. The children of Israel, you know, if ever we need a lesson that God forgives, forgives, forgives and that his grace is just, we can't outdo his grace, is just look at the Old Testament and how many times they let him down. I mean, I let him down, you let him down, because we're, we're sinful people. We do a lot of good as well. But he never gives up on you. And see today he will do a new thing. He will do a new thing in you. Look, just, look what happened to the Israelites. He gave them the temple, they responded with idol worship. He gave them truth, they lived and proclaimed lies. He gave them their commands, they lived like they were just suggestions. He gave them wealth and they abused the poor. He gave them himself and they rejected him. The children of Israel, when you look at their history, didn't deserve to receive anything from God, yet he still loved them and he desperately wanted to help them change. Look at his message. Forget all that. You've messed up, I know you've messed up. Forget the former things. Don't dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. So whatever your past is, God will do a new thing. He will do a new thing. It starts today. He wasn't condemning them for their past. It's just they couldn't do anything to change it. Instead, God is holding out his great hand of hope and of destiny. He's in effect saying, forget about your past. Today is a new day. I'm giving you the opportunity to start over. And he's going to do a new thing. We cannot live on yesterday's faith. The children of Israel had experienced many, many blessings throughout their history, from the Passover to the crossing of the Red Sea. I mean, can you imagine? I would have, I would have dined out on that story for years. That's better than 1980 World Cup sort of dodgy header, 1-0 against Arsenal. You know, I was there and he parted the Red Sea and we went through it. 
But you know, that was then and it's great to remember it. But what is he doing now? Or maybe we can talk about conquering the land of Canaan or the building of the temple. The children of God had seen the hand of God working in their lives, yet their faith in what God has done was doing nothing now to deliver them from their present situation. The old faith wasn't sufficient enough to deliver them from their present problems. They needed, what they needed and what God was going to give was a new faith, a new vision for what God could do. They needed a new portion of the faith that had brought to pass all the victories that they'd had before. And don't we need that now ourselves? I mean, victories have been won for, for Christ over 2,000 years. But what matters to us here is what the victories that are being won now. And we need new vision and new faith, and increased faith, and increased presence of the Spirit and increased openness to the Holy Spirit to be passionate and be sent out and in power to see the goodness of God spread across the nation. We're doing new things here. There are new things going on. We can forget what we're doing. There's loads of ministries. When I look at the joint church appointments list, I, I, I need to lay down just reading it. So, I, you know, how people are doing that uh, week in, week out. But we don't want exhaustive people either. But, so we've got to be focused and, and not frenetic. But there are new things happening. You know, we've mentioned one this morning. Who can remember one of the new things, a new ministry that's happening? Meet and eat. Brilliant. Who, who said that first? You're so humble. I think it was Christine. But meet and eat. It's a new ministry. Someone's got a passion for people getting together in the church and and, uh, having meals together and fellowship together. That's a new ministry. That's See, today I'm doing a new thing. What's the other new ministry that's uh, that's, uh, come up lately? I can't remember. I think they've had their first evening. There's the clue. Games evening. Games evening. That's a new ministry. See, today I'm doing a new thing. These are simple little things, but they will bring a lot of pleasure and company and fellowship to a lot of people. See, today I'm doing a new thing. We're doing Alpha. Alpha's not a new thing. We've got two Alphas. I don't know if that's a new thing here. We've got two going on. And there's new life, new beginnings. We're going to pray for new baptisms. We've got new members at the members meeting Wednesday. We have two new members. We've got three, uh, I want to say being processed. It sounds a little bit harsh, doesn't it? If you're sitting here, you're not being processed. You're being, you're being prepared for being welcomed. No one gets processed. It's like a can of spam, isn't it? Processed. I don't, spam. It's banned now, isn't it, I think? Anyway, no one's getting, uh, no one's getting processed. Uh, God is doing new things. God is going to do new things down our high street. He's done a new thing with the big movement called Street Pastors. He's, do, he's, do, he's always doing a new thing. So let's get excited about what God is doing now. You know, 20 years ago, I think, street pastors didn't exist. Les Isaacs has a vision from Ascension Trust and all of a sudden we've got this great ministry because God is doing a new thing. And people are going on Facebook saying, aren't they good, these people from the church? Or the lady recently where Gary went up and... um, Did I tell you this story already? About a 16-year-old's party. It's all over Facebook, which is good. We don't mind a bit of publicity, do we? Let your light shine before men. So they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. Anyway, there was this 16-year-old party and there was a bit of a commotion and uh, gangs of lads uh, turned up and, uh, because they thought something had happened that hadn't. And Gary got to hear about it. And so, so he goes there and doesn't know these people. And he goes there and stands in the way and diffuses the situation, mainly because he's grown up with all those youngsters. He's seen them. Um, so he's doing a good thing. He's doing a good thing. 
And do you know what they did? They put it on Facebook. Thank God, literally, thank God for the pastor of a local church that turned up at my party and defused the situation and sent the kids on their way. See, today I'll do a new thing. Now, you know, how many people saw that? Uh, I would have imagined loads. I shared it. I don't share much on Facebook, but I shared that. I thought, good on Gary. I didn't say it was Gary in my sharing of the Facebook because I thought people who read it might think I did it. That'd be good. (laughs) And I will dine out on that. He's doing a new thing. God is doing a new thing. We've got to know as a church. We've got to be praying and be open to the Holy Spirit. He can do a new thing in our preaching. He can do a new thing in our worship. He can do a new thing in our witness. He will draw new people. And we've got to disciple them. He will change things. But that sometimes that gives us a bit of angst because we like church to be a safe place. But it's, it is safe, but it's also got to be radical. Radical believers. God is doing a new thing. So we need to focus on what God wants to do in our lives right now. And how do we do it? Uh, I, don't know if I, I don't think I've missed a slide, no. How do we do it? Uh, we need to be gen- a genuine, repentant people. We genuinely have to die to ourselves. We genuinely have to say, look, Lord, I'm sorry. You know, I've got it. I've got it. I've got loads right, but I've got some stuff wrong. And I really want you now to come in by your spirit. You know, to be praying every morning, come Holy Spirit in my life. And then go out and burn for Christ, if that makes sense. You know, you're on fire for Christ. Genuine repentance. Genuine repentance, not to treat and sin indifferently. It's turning away from those things and turning to God in his righteousness. But equally, not to be condemned, forgetting sometimes my ugly past or your ugly past. But we forget them in anticipation of the great new things that God wants to do because he is doing a new thing. And we need to focus on your position, yourself, by calling out to the living God. God has promised to do a new thing in your life. And if we want God to work as he did when we read these great biblical stories, we need to be praying for it. And we need to be open to it. He will. And we've got to ask ourselves the question sometimes, are we ready? Are we ready, really, for him to do a new beginning? There are great stories coming out of churches in this country of God moving by his spirit. And I believe he's doing that here. But we want more of it. And we want it faster because we're impatient. But he'll do it in his timing. But we want to be open to what he's doing. Are we ready for God to do a new thing among us and personally in our lives? Uh, so the next slide, please, Martin. So we've got to move forward uh, in our focus with God. The second step to embracing the new thing that God is going to do is to clarify our focus, our vision, whether it's for you personally or us as a church. You know, to be open to receiving revelation from God, like we do in some services. It's a bit more difficult in the mornings, but certainly the evenings, I'm not saying we can't do it in the mornings, but but giving space for God to speak to us and take those things seriously and apply them to our lives to clarify our focus. God reveals himself. Jesus is revealed uh, as laid down by the scripture, but the Holy Spirit still speaks to us. And we must develop a faith here in the church everywhere that can see and dream the invisible and the impossible. Like Moses seeing the Egyptians perish, David uh, sorting out Goliath, the three Hebrew men seeing their God deliver them. There's loads of stories in the Bible where miraculous things happen and they still happen now. But God is going to do a new thing. God says, see I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. And what do we see? I want to ask you the question. What do you see for you personally? What's your view for your life? What is God's perspective for your life? What is God's, what is God's view for the church? 
his church, do we see possibilities or problems? God will do a new thing. I want you to go away and pray about that and feed back anything to us because we want to weigh it all up. There are so many possibilities of God doing new things. Look what he said. I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The children of Israel had a choice. They could view their past and their problems and all the things that they saw going wrong and moaning and getting depressed and, you know, woe is me. Or they could focus on what God wanted to do in their lives. He's telling them, look, don't dwell on that. I'm going to do a new thing. So we must first see ourselves as God sees us. You need to see yourself as God sees you. The children of Israel felt like they were just getting by and they were getting their just desserts because of the way they'd lived. And I guess some of us feel like that sometimes as well. Some of them even believed that God would never have anything more to do with them. But they're wrong. And you're wrong if you think that. You may feel like your past has made your life a wasteland, but in God your life becomes a stream of life because he promises to make all things new. And Jesus has died for your sin and he's declared you righteous. Romans 8 verse 1, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. You're not supposed to be sitting here condemned. You're supposed to be sitting here released. You've got to see your possibilities as God sees them. I'm making a way in the desert. God can transform our lives, those desert areas of your life, those dry areas of your life, into, into great blessing and great privilege and abundance. He can transform it if we allow him to. We don't need to understand him or know how he'll do it, but he will do it. We only need to believe in him and hope for his manifestations. And why will he do a new thing? Why is it in God's interest to do a new thing? Because it brings glory to him. When I see lives changed in ministry, or marriages, or relationships, or careers, or attitudes, character, uh, that's all things of God doing a new thing. I'm blessed, and he gets the glory. He gets all the glory. I can't change people, you can't change people. God changes people, as he does his work within us. He will always do a new thing, because it glorifies him. He gave those miracles in the past to glorify his name. And he'll give miracles now to glorify his name. He's still alive and active. He wants the unbeliever to see his glory in your life. And through you, they'll seek the Lord. If we're genuine, they will. He'll do that. You're the witnesses. And all of heaven, while you go about doing that, is cheering you on. You're not alone. He's doing a new thing. And he'll show his supremacy. He's bigger and greater than all the other gods that the world offers us. He'll always do something new and he'll demonstrate that he is the one to follow. He'll always set his people free, if we allow him to. He came for the purpose of destroying the works of Satan in our lives, so that we can be free of those things. But it's fair to say also, certain things in our lives hinder, hinder the new things that God wants to do. And I was thinking about this and praying about it, and I wasn't sure what to say, but this is what I came up with. And my first one, oh, we're on the full slide, sorry Martin. Uh, The first one, uh, laziness or apathy. If you're not bothered about your spiritual life, if you're neglecting it, or if you're neglecting ministry or mission, uh, then, you know, God may be doing new things, but you're not going to be called up in it. Uh, I didn't get the exact quote, but it's along the lines of, uh, evil makes great headway when good people do nothing. You know, we can think the right things, we can believe the right things, but we've got to allow God to cause us to action. You know, and apathy. We don't be apathetic. 
We, we, Jesus talks about the church as being lukewarm. We don't want to be lukewarm. We want to be on fire. But laziness and apathy, you know, things are, I'm okay with things as they are, both in my life and the church. I don't really want to be involved. I don't really want to commit. I'll just happily come along or not, see how it goes, uh, see what the weather's like, or whatever it is in your life. We don't have that. We don't want that attitude. God doesn't want that. Sometimes it is discipline. Uh, you know, disciple, discipline. Um, sometimes it is a challenge. But it's good for us. Someone said to me, I shared this at Alpha on uh, Thursday evening, someone said to me, you've preached uh, hundreds of sermons, but I can't remember them all, so I'm not really sure if they've done any good. Someone once said that to me. I was blessed him, wasn't it? I had a gift of encouragement. <laughs> Called him Barnabas after that. And I said to him, you've had uh, thousands of hot meals over your life as well, but I bet you uh, don't f- remember all of them, but if you hadn't eaten them, you'd be dead by now, wouldn't you? <laughs> it's not always great, is it? It's not, we're not always on you know, the hilltop. Sometimes we're in the valley and life's tough. Uh, but we don't want to come to, come to laziness or apathy. Romans 12, 11, never be lacking in zeal. Keep your spiritual fervour. Serve in the Lord. Secondly, foundational battles. It can slow down the manifestation of a newness, of a new thing in your life, if you're holding on to hurts and bitterness or envy or any of those things, attitudes, rebellion, negativity, it's not what we're about. We're a positive people because we serve a positive God. So we need to deal with uh, some of those things. Otherwise, you always... If you, someone said to me, and if you choose to be offended, you always will be. And sometimes I choose to be. And I have to take myself in a corner, give myself a little talking to and come back renewed. Um, sometimes it takes more than a couple of minutes. Um, but you know, if you look to be offended or if you look for the things that are wrong in life or church or work or whatever it is, you'll find them. But start thanking God for the blessing. Start thanking God for the new things he's doing. Start thanking God for the opportunities. You'll be a much more positive person and people will actually want to speak to you. Or living an unbroken life. You know, going through life, oh, that's actually about me. Uh, it's not about him. But this is this repentance that we need to say, no, actually, first line in the book, Purpose Driven Life, is it's not about me. That's the first line. Rick Warren wrote it. And so we need to remember that we're here for him. And he is here for us as well. And he's done a lot for us already, uh, Christ. But, um, but really, uh, we are here for him. Uh, the, another hindrance is we're not constantly being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, Paul writes in Ephesians, be filled with the Spirit. And it's in this language called, I don't know why they don't translate this way, the present participant. It means go on being filled with the Spirit. An everyday occurrence. Ask for it every morning. I ask for God to change me in some way or another. But we need that empowerment to believe and receive the new things that God's doing in our lives. And it might be you, you feel lacking in some of these things. And if you do, I'd really encourage you. There are people to pray for you after the service. Any of the leaders will pray for you. There's a team that will pray for you. But don't you know, God will do a new thing, but we've got to be open to him. So, uh, the last slide, please, uh, Martin. Move, moving forward, when God says to his children, you'll do a new thing, it means you will move to a level of freedom that maybe you've never known before. You know, that your faith is not one of the doldrums or sort of ought to's, it's I want to. I want to. I want to please God. I want to serve God. It means that God will surprise your enemies more than you can imagine. It means the Lord will start a new thing in your life, whether it's your family, your ministry, church, your work, whatever it is. The Lord has promised in his word to do a new thing. And the new thing he does is not to be delayed. He wants to, It starts today. See, today I do a new thing. It can mean different things to different people. You're all on your own journeys. But hold on to those promises in an uncertain world. And God is doing a new thing. And we may not perceive it, but it is springing up. It is bursting forth. 
God had already set into motion the events and the people who would lead Israel out of captivity and back into the land of blessing, but it was still up to them to decide if they wanted what God was offering. If they refused his plan where he was leading them, they would have been doomed to remain in their captivity. Don't remain in captivity. He will do a new thing in your life. He has already set into motion a new direction, a new purpose for you, for your life, for your church here. And the only question that's left remains, are we going to follow him? We don't have to. We can live in rebellion. We don't have to repent. We don't have to turn to him. We can go our own way. But when we put him at the centre of our lives in our church, I really believe he'll do a new thing. I think it's already started. Psalm 95, verse 6 to 8, and this is what part of the psalm I read at the beginning. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before our maker, for he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So let's not keep... Let's, we can think about the past. Let's look to the future. Believe in the God of new beginnings. He said, I will do a new thing. And it's doing now, and it springs forth. It's doing it now across our nation and in our churches. He's saying, I've already begun. Let's lift our vision. Let's lift our faith. Let's invite the Holy Spirit to work so powerfully within us. Let's invite him to give us more vision, more dreams, more, pi- more pictures, more sharing, more scripture to show us the way to go. Let's embrace the work of the Holy Spirit and he'll give us those streams in the wasteland that Isaiah was talking about it. Talking about, sorry. Uh, John, Jesus said uh, in John's Gospel, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, streams of living water will flow from within. By this he meant the Spirit. So those pictures that we've been given recently, we've taken them seriously. The rock coming out of the ocean with the name Jesus on it, with someone's arms outstretched holding onto it, reminds us of our mission. People are drowning and God is doing a new thing. But we need in the church another picture to die to ourselves, to really commit our lives to Christ, to really be willing to be filled with the Spirit and be sent out. Because the Spirit of God is hovering over us and we want him to saturate us. When Jesus says streams of living water will flow out of them, if you imagine a sponge, you know, we can, we've all got the Holy Spirit if you're a Christian. Uh, I was talking uh, Alpha Thursday, but we don't want to be pilot-like Christians. We want to be when the boiler, you know, as you turn the heating up, and, you know, and it starts firing. That's what we want. We've all got a deposit of the Holy Spirit, but we want to be on fire. We want the boiler going. And, and if you think about a sponge, when Jesus talks about streams of living water will flow from them, a sponge, if it's dry and not willing to take on the water, it sits on top of the water, doesn't it? It's still a sponge, but it sits there. But once it allows itself to be immersed in the water, you lift the sponge out and it's just flooding everywhere. You put it back in, it soaks it up again. But maybe some of us are just a bit hardened and we're sitting on top of that water and we're not, we've got to let the Spirit in more and more and more. And we can do new things in his name. We can embrace the past, but we're going to dare to take on new ways of doing things. We can take risks, not being afraid of failure, but admit when things aren't working and learn from the experience. We can respond creatively to the challenges that are going to face us as a church and a community, and we can share positive experiences of change, affirm people, encourage them. I want you encouraged to be sent out, to be so encouraged, so passionate, but we should share those good stories. People share them with me, 
lots of bit about conversations I've had at the bus stop, uh, conversations in a care home, all different things. Conversations we have on Alpha, we need to share and encourage one another. Positive experiences. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? God is doing a new thing. New ministries, new believers, which are new creations in Christ, new members. We want more baptisms. There's new beginnings. Don't sit on the sidelines and, and look for it. Embrace it. Amazing. What an opportunity for us. See, I'm doing a new thing. Let's perceive it and see what God is doing. I'm going to pray for us and then uh, I'll, ask, well, I'll invite the musicians up. And we're going to sing um, Amazing Grace. Um, but the chorus, and in fact, I had a traditional version and uh, they had a little moan at me at the beginning of the service, but, but it wasn't really a moan. I just said, can we send, sing this other version? I'm glad they've changed it. Um, my chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Saviour has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. God promises so many good things to us. Let's embrace them. He's going to do a new thing. Let me pray for us and then we'll stand and sing this. Father, I thank you for your word. And I thank you you are always doing new things in people's lives. That you always bring new life to churches that are open to the presence and power of your spirit. And may we be a church and a people of you that are really open to his help, to his empowerment, to his witness. May we be sent out from this place. And just in conversations, we're not all evangelists, we know that but just that we're so on fire for you that people just notice it. That we'll invite people to church, that feel your presence, that your kingdom would grow. Help us be the people that you want us to be. We can only do that with the one who comes alongside, the paraclete, the counsellor, the Holy Spirit, the one you said that you'd send us to not leave us as orphans. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, now to come among us. We know your presence is here, but we'd ask you to increase that now and minister to your people. I pray that we'd feel your presence in our hearts right now. That you'd flood through us, that we'd know what it's like to fill streams of living water. As we go out into the day, weeks and months ahead, we can be such a great witness for you that others couldn't fail to be drawn close to you. As we worship, I pray you'd minister to us. Our chains are off. We've been set free because of what Christ you've done for us. It's just amazing grace. So thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.